This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses from all over the world who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. Welcome to Nursing in America. I am your host, Tanya Friedman, Chief Executive Officer here at Kinetics USA. I've invited Luciana De Silva to be the guest host for a few episodes. She'll be speaking with nurses now living in America to figure out what life is really like. Enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Ramel. He started in physical therapy back in Manila in the Philippines, but ended up pivoting to nurses and moved to Queens, New York at the age of 28. Where did you get the credit card? Was it from a particular bank? How did you go about that? Because you got to think people yeah. come and they don't know anything. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I know if you're a nurse, I think I'm not sure how they do that. But on my first two years, there's a lot of card company who sent me cards, who sent me plastics in my in my address on my ne- with my name on it. So you you really need to be careful. I don't know where they get their databases, but I just received my cards. They sent me cards. And it says it's a pre, a pre-authorized card. They would start four or five hundred credit limit, right? I think that's that's the normal. I, I'm not really sure now. So as you go along, I think this is the answer to your question. I I alluded to. So as you go along, they will increase it to a thousand and to a thousand five hundred if you're paying right. So there's a review, if not monthly, in credit scores and in and your credit standing in the bank. So they would send you notification like if, since you're paying on time or you don't have you don't have problem in paying your credit, they would send you another card or an email saying we've increased your credit limit to a thousand or a thousand five or eventually higher if you're doing the payment regularly or on time. And I think that's what we meant in saying how do you increase your credit limit. So if you paying on time, you don't have problem in paying your credit, then you would increase it eventually. What are the big purchases that you made that it was like, I need a credit card? Like, did you buy a car? Have you bought a house? How was that situation? I've been working now for six years in Manhattan in 42nd. I didn't get any car. I'm still renting. So I don't have any plans of buying any house because I'm single. So I feel like, I think the most that I paid for is for my tuition fee for my master's. Should I say my school? <laughs> so it's a repeatable school. So I've been paying per semester 7000 8000 per sem. I don't know. Do I need a credit card? For, I'm, I'm paying using... Uh, I'm paying directly from my checking account. So I'm not sure. But I think if you're going to use your credit card, you need a higher credit limit, right? Well, I'm, I'm just figuring now because I'm paying using like my checking account. That's good. Oh my God. How many people wish that they could pay for tuition off of a checking account versus a student loan? Because- I think that's part of really being careful on your expenses because you can easily get a lot of expense in, you know, rewarding yourself. And we know that being a nurse, you're working double sometimes most of the time, right? You're tired. So at the end of the week, you want to, and this is what I was saying when rewarding yourself, feel like you can't stop me in doing online shopping, 
that was my thinking before. Because I worked hard for it. I worked seven, six days a week, and I did double the past three days. So this is the only thing I can reward myself with. And this is common in a lot of nurses. And you would know that you would be doing stuff like they wouldn't need. Like they already have a Gucci bag. How come they have an LV bag? Those things are unnecessary. So you really need to be careful because that's really one of the pitfalls of narcissists. And I think luckily for me, I was very careful in my fourth year, fifth year, sixth year. That's why I have something to pay for my master's. And I've realized, yeah, you're right. Some of the nurses have to loan to get their master's or their DNBs. If you're not careful, we nurses earn a lot of money, but we're not careful. That's why we don't have money in the bag. So just be careful. Just be careful on your expenses. And sending boxes to the Philippines, sending money to the Philippines, that's fine. You're helping your family. But remember that you have a credit score to maintain and a bank account to maintain for yourself. You know, eventually on rainy days, you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so sweet that people do that for their families. And, you know, it's you have a heart, but at the same time, you've got to watch out for your expenses because things can creep up on you. And that's that's a formula. Yeah, it's um, Masters in Administration for Nursing, for healthcare. So it's Seton Hall University. I still have one year to go. (laughs) I finished my master's last year and it was Ah, like... congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) needs to like high five whenever you do that. It's especially when you're older and an adult doing it. You know, it's very different. I know a lot of nurses who want to do their C's, their master's and their DNP, but they were saying they don't have the money and they have to take the loan. And um, that's very unfortunate because I know they're earning a lot of money. And I just want to share the help that we send to the Philippines is very important. I understand that. And that's why you're working, right? But I would want to remind all the nurses that you're working because you want to improve. So you can't improve yourself if you are not, you know, saving money for yourself as well. Because eventually... How are you going to get your master's? How are you going to increase your salary if you're not, you don't have the master's or the DNP? So how are you going to grow? And I think we're in the U.S. We're so fortunate. We know that. But know your budget. I think it's just being mindful of what we're earning versus what we're spending. Because the common pitfalls really is in shopping and in sending money to the Philippines. So you know you should have I'm fortunate enough that I've worked in a pharmaceutical company where the three-year, five-year, 10-year plan is required of us. So I think you need to have your long-term plan, even just for a five-year plan. You need that. And all your wishes, all your plan is based on your income, right? You can have your house if you want a house somewhere, or you want to have a car, you can have that if you don't have the proper planning. Because we have a finite amount of income. But if that limited amount of income is just, you know, shed off for something you sent to the Philippines or for your unnecessary expense, then we don't have anything at the end. And that's very unfortunate. So for sending, I have, it's not a perfect formula, but I have a 10% to 20% out of the salary that I have at least for the month. Well, luckily for me, my family is not dependent on me. I have siblings who are also working and they have good careers. And my parents have their retirement. So I'm just helping 
you know, some of the stuff and I'm not really required to, but I think we owe it to ourselves. We are working hard and I think we need to be mindful that we're working hard and it's not about getting online and getting all these bags or these jewelries that would make us happy. I think at the end, I feel like I'm on my 13th year in New York. I feel like I'm happy and I feel like I have self-fulfillment because I'm achieving what I wanted to do. And if you work back five, six years ago, I planned it. I know my end of mind. I want to do my MSN. I want to have this in the Philippines. I want to invest in this. But I also started with you, like you guys, if you're a shopper, or I, I have that mindset, but I have to eventually change that because I know eventually these this bags, these jewelries, these watches, they're going to be ruined eventually. It wouldn't matter eventually. But your land titles, if you're buying land titles in the Philippines, that would last you a lifetime. And I realized that the price of the land in the Philippines double eventually. If you're a buyer, then buy lands, buy houses in the Philippines, have it rented. Eventually, you're going to sell it at a higher rate and your money's growing. And it gives you satisfaction that you feel like, oh, I have that. I don't have this bag, but I have that land somewhere in the Philippines. And now it's at this amount and I bought it for a lesser amount. And it still gives you happiness. And I think we just need to be mindful about that because no one is teaching that in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. and it's that that long-term financial planning. Like, what are you going to do when you retire? How? What kind of money you're going to have? Does the hospital offer benefits? And tell me about those benefits in terms of like, do you have yeah, 401k or? Yeah. yeah, so I'm lucky enough that we have the 401k. And so we have this savings we call it the blank company savings account. It's actually part of the 401k. And up to 6% of what you contribute to that 401k, they double it up. So I'm very fortunate to have that. And I feel like it's a good earning because they're doubling your money that you put into. So I'm maximizing that. I share the 6%. I even went up to 10% of sharing because I know that's money. and I think that's one of the tricks because our mind is very tricky, right? So that money, they take out from your salary right away. You don't have to think about it. So it feels like it's, it's not in my bank. It's not readily available for me. So you forget about it. So even if there's something you need to pay for or you're tempted to buy this, you feel like you don't have the money to buy for it. So why buy it? Unfortunately for me, I've been sharing. So I have I have that 6% money in my 401k. And eventually when I retire, I have the 401k and that's a good retirement money. I think most of the hospitals and facility in the US is offering that. You should get that. You should get that. And the 401k is a big help eventually, even for, I guess, emergency money. So you have something, you know, you're not thinking about, you're not utilizing at the moment, but when you need it, it's there. Um, other than that, of course, if you have your own savings account. That because I talked to a nurse last week and he was saying, I didn't even know about a 401k and that you have to maximize, that you just get the max because it's free money. I feel like my previous agency never told me about that. We have this one day seminar in the Philippines if you're moving to the US, but I don't remember them telling us about it. Like nurses have 401k or, or 201k or people working in the US have 201k. They don't have that. So I think agencies as well should be teaching that. It's very important, I think, which I didn't have the opportunity to learn when I was starting. 
I didn't even know. And when I was starting, I didn't. I don't also know about 201k. Only on my third job did I realize there's a 201k. <laughs> so the first day at work, when I moved to my third job, we have this orientation on the first day, and they were telling us to move your 201k from your previous employer, so you can add it. You can join the new 201k from your previous employer and they realized i don't have that 201k how come so i think employers should be liable for that because that should be part of their offering or maybe when you're younger because a lot of nurses move into the u.s people like 24 26 you don't read in the philippines you're not really savvy about money when you're 24 25 27 i feel like i don't know international i think that's international (laughs) (laughs) right Right, right. But what I'm thinking again culturally, because in the Philippines you can see people on their thirties still still living on their parents' house, and and like in the U.S. they're forced to move out. And I think if you're forced to move out, you you need to earn money for your own. You become eventually, you know, savvy about money. And even people working in the Philippines, they're still in in their parents' house, like twenty eight, thirty, thirty five, up until they get married and they move out. So. And as long as I feel like when I moved in on my first years, I feel very confident because I'm earning week per week and I have this money. I feel like I have to spend it, not thinking of the future. It's only eventually in my fourth year that I came to realize, oh, what am I doing here? What is it for? Why don't I have money? And some of my friends bought a lot in this village or so that. I think it's being mindful. But I think it's we should teach it to younger people or to people moving to the U.S. And I have a lot of people also I know who move back to the Philippines. Well, but these are not people from the medical or the healthcare industry who came back to the Philippines. They work for how many years in the U.S. or in Europe, and they eventually move back. I have aunts who move back to the Philippines. They have in just enough money as a savings, but didn't really you know, invested or made their money work for them. And yeah, they survived. They they still live a longer life. But you know that their money is their money. And I'm thinking just out loud, but if you have invested in some lots or apart, maybe an apartment that you can rent out as well, then maybe on retirement, you have something coming in, you know, even if you're not working anymore. And if you have the retirement money, your 201k, then you will survive a lot longer and happier because you have more money versus, you know, a small portion of earnings when you were still working. And I'm scared. I'm just so scared because I'm single, you know, I don't have kids. And um, maybe that. I'm scared now to end up retiring without money. And we know that we're in a pandemic and I've came to know a lot of people who had their parents in the hospital. So I have a few nurses, friends who had their parents having buy graft in in the Philippines, art buy graft, and they don't have that much money to pay for it because, you know, New York is expensive. So they're paying for their apartment. They have a kid they're sending to school. Well, they have to pay for their cars. Luckily for me, I I don't have a car. I don't have a house to pay for except for that small um, room and that house. So I feel like, unfortunately, Filipino nurses or in the medical field in the U.S. are still, you know, obligated to help 
their parents in terms of emergencies because you know in the Philippines we don't really have that healthcare system or they have you know they'll pay for your hospitalization or your emergencies so the, we're still sharing we're still obligated to pay for our parents or our siblings hospital bills and that's very unfortunate if you don't have savings as i know one of my nurse friends have to pay is it 800,000 pesos so that's close to $20,000 for a bigra and we thought that the healthcare in the united states is messed up and super expensive We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. People don't know how the healthcare system in the United States works compared to other places yeah. in the world. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, I'm glad that you brought that up, the American healthcare system and insurance. Mm-hmm. If you could explain, kind of break it down to somebody who doesn't know anything about the American healthcare insurance and how that I don't works. know if <laughs> I don't know if I, I'm more knowledgeable about it. But there's a bracket, right, on your salary. And you have to get your own health insurance for the year. And I think I have to do double job in learning more about it because I'm very dependent on my workplace. If I can share how the healthcare insurance works in my company, we have this really good website for HR where you can choose your healthcare insurance. On my bracket, I think I I have to choose and my the insurance is the insurance that's available for me is a bit expensive, but that's fine because um on that kind of insurance, I think I'm paying four hundred fifty, if not five yeah, around close to that amount monthly. But that insurance is very good because I have good coverage for in case of emergency medicine or if in case I get into ICU. So I have I think if 30 days of ICU, if I'm not mistaken, and I can use that for emergency cases. But um, what's puzzling to me, and um, I'm not sure about it, but I have to pay extra. There's another thing I'm paying for my out of hospital, like the regular clinic uh, visit. So on top of that, I have, I think, to pay 20, if not $30 a month on top of the insurance for emergency and for ICU. And there is also an opportunity for you to choose your dental coverage. So there's a dental coverage, a dental insurance that I need to pay for. Now I'm not sure how much I'm paying for that, but I have to elect that as well on that website. So that's how it is. The higher your salary rate is, the higher you need to share for your insurance. So, But for people who are out of work and people who have lower income, you can elect your insurance, but it's on a lower rate. Now I'm confused with the Medicare, the, the Medicare oh, and the Medicare. We don't need to get into all that. Don't worry. We don't need to get into all that. I won't make it. <laughs> okay. So I, that, I just want to share that with my friend. Um, I have a friend who is in a lower income bracket, but she's just paying, mine is 450 close to 500 a month, right? But hers is like 150 if not 100 a month. 
So it comes in a bracket on your salary income. So the higher your salary income, the higher you need to pay for your healthcare insurance. And that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that <laughs> I've learned that if you're like a tourist or you don't have any income at all, there's a benefit for for these people. If you go to emergency room, they would treat you even if you don't have an insurance. I don't know if that's gonna change now or has it changed. But as of last year, I know a friend is visiting who had an emergency elective surgery, and she was brought to this hospital if not mistaken, the Flushing Hospital. And um, they did an elective surgery for her and it was for free and she was just a tourist. And I also know a relative of a friend who goes in and out of the emergency room for where she has a chronic GI problem. And I know that he doesn't have any insurance. So I don't know why she's she's being treated as well. So that's part of the gray areas I also want to learn because I don't know about it. But if you don't have insurance, um, I think for state of New York, I think you still have the opportunity to be treated or they're glad they accept you in any emergency room. This is very striking for me because I'm paying a lot for my healthcare insurance and it goes because I they were telling me I'm on a, on a higher bracket salary. So mm-hmm. that's just how it is. And working, you know, I just now put all of this together too to kind of change gears just a little bit here. You're working in a hospital in Queens during a pandemic. What has that been like? What area of the hospital do you work with specialty? And what has it been like for you this year? What have you seen? Luciana, I actually am working now in a pharmaceutical company. So I'm a project manager in a pharmaceutical company. So all of my information are just based on what I read. And yeah, yeah. But I've seen a few... And I've heard from a few friends who are working in hospitals. Um, but our case is relatively New York went down. So um, it's good news. Um, so ICUs are not really filled out. But unfortunately, during the, you know, the rush of the pandemic or in its heights, sometime in March, April last year, um, they were really, really working hard. Because I think the ratio of their patient in the ICU is supposed to be one is to one, if not two is to one. And since some of the nurses doesn't report to work anymore, so they have, I believe they have to see five or 10, 10 patients in the ICU. So it becomes 10 to one, if not five to one, but it's still a lot of patient on your hands on a particular duty. So it was really unfortunate. And I know a few to even move out of New York, out of desperation and of frustration. And of, I think the feeling of having enough and they're really too tired. So I know a few people who moved to Chicago, to North Carolina, even to Florida. It was just a really sad fate, a really sad situation last year. But, well, a lot of Filipinos are also resilient. So I know a lot of Filipinos who are happy because they have higher higher salary rate now because of the pandemic um, and they thrive. So we're just fortunate to have that resilience, I believe, some of us, some of the Filipino people, uh, Filipino nurses. Um, fortunately for me, I'm not working in the hospital anymore. But I receive a few emails and calls at the height of the pandemic. Well, was it April or May if I wanted to help 
and if I wanted to work. Lucky for me, February, I went to the Philippines. So my father was in the hospital end of January and have to go to the Philippines. And there wasn't any pandemic at all at that time, February, but there were news already going around that, you know, there's a big pandemic in China and in terms of will come to the shores in the U.S. But I was already, at my, I have my ticket, everything's planned. I went to the Philippines. So I was here, was it February 11, if not 15? And I only went back. So fortunately for me, working in a big pharma company, we have the opportunity to work from home. The only downside is that I'm working nights because the working hours is, is nighttime here. But that's a good trade for me because I'm in the Philippines at the height of the pandemic where, you know, it became, at, at least for me, it became mental. And I know a lot of nurses had mental issues during that time, even not in the healthcare industry. It's it's very worrisome days. I was with my family. I was in the Philippines. Um, I went back in New York in August. So in August, everything looks fine. Well, I, I when I when I arrived, the, the buses was for free. Like you can ride without payment. So it's for free for everybody. Um, but I realized there's still a lot of people going around. Like, but in the Philippines at that time in August, there's still a lot of cases. So everybody was still at home. Nobody's going out. We're spraying everything. All the groceries coming in and all that. But in New York, I was surprised that there's a lot of people in the streets already. Like they were wearing masks, they were wearing face shields, but they're not so scared anymore in August up until up until now, right? So the cases really went down in, in New York. I love that you were able to go and see your family in the Philippines and do all of that before the um, pandemic hit. And you've had such an amazing experience. Like, you know, some of it has been good and some of it has been very difficult, but it seems like through all of it right now, you're, you're thriving and it just seems so wonderful. What advice, if you could give one piece of advice to not even someone coming from the Philippines, someone who's coming from India, someone who's coming from Nigeria, from Jamaica, Mm -hmm. what is the one piece of advice that you would give them to make it through? For me, it's very important. This is the, the topmost of my list is being aware. So you really need to know your worth so you're coming in, even wherever you're coming from, as you've mentioned, Luciana, might be coming from India, in Pakistan, in the Philippines, in Hong Kong, in China. You're coming into New York. You should know your worth. You should know you're coming in with experience. You should know that you have this knowledge. I'm sure pretty much a lot of you are coming into the U.S. with extensive experience in highly specialized area. So you know your worth. You know your expertise. There might be difference in the equipment, in the culture we're going to work at, and there might be difference in the relationships uh, with your workmates. They might take you uh, like a second rate, third rate class citizen. It doesn't matter. I think you need to be aware. So when I say awareness, it's your expertise. It's your objective. You need to know your objective. Why are you in the U.S.? Is it for your future, your family's future? Are you going to provide opportunities for other family members back in your country? Or what have you. Whatever it is your objective, you need to 
take on that and it needs to be clear on your mind what you need to happen. You don't want to go into the US like a leaf being flown by a wind with no objective at all because that's very devastating at the end. And it happened to me. I went there in with the wrong objective. So I got lost in the middle of it. But I think the third point of the awareness that I want to tell you and I want to I want you to learn is the values um you're coming in from a different place and you're going in a totally new environment and your values for yourself for your family and whatever personality you have should be concrete you need to know who you are your full values because if you don't have that you're going to assimilate to a new culture or a new environment and it would be tricky it would be difficult Because you'd be asking yourself, who are you? Why are you here? And that would be devastating as well. Because these people around you are also asking the same question. Who is Romel Rico? Why is he here? What is his personality? Who is really him? So that's difficult and tricky. I know eventually you're going to assimilate. Seamlessly, you're going to learn a lot. But again, at the end, you need to be who you are. At the time that you're about to immigrate, you need to have that perspective. You need to achieve all of this, your objective, the reason why you're going, what is it really for? You don't want to go there just because, right? So if it's for money, for help, for personal improvement, for eventually creating opportunity for your family, this should be defined. You should know this. If you can write it, write it down. You don't want to get lost. Because the first five years of your journey in a different setting, a different culture, is very, very confusing. It's very different. So this question should be out of your mind. You know why you're there. You know why you're working hard. You know why you want to achieve this. You know why you're going double shift. You know why you need to make friends. You know why to learn more. And it's because it's supporting all of this objective that you have. And regardless what happens to you, you might have very hard days, difficult days. You'll be crying because your patient's family is shouting at you. You know, you know why you're there. And even though you're crying, cry it out. But at the end of the day, you come back. You'll just come back to that defined objectives, why you're there. And it's for me, that's very important. And learn from my mistake. My objective is different, and but I have to change it eventually. So I think there's also, I want to give an advice for you to, you know, change that objective along the way. You can redefine it, but you should be constantly changing it, reviewing it, and then redefining it because it will change. I'm sure, pretty sure eventually. But, you know, in our clinical in our clinical field, we need to have an objective. We need to know the end of what we're doing, right? So I think that's very important. And it should be very, very clear, year in and year out. You don't want to get lost in a different culture with different people and eventually finding yourself really lost and you don't know why. And you don't know why you're there. And you lost your objective. You lost your perspective. And it's going to be very difficult moving forward. So it's just that. I want you to be aware and be objective. And it's coming from Rommel Rico, <laughs> the first five experience being lost. And eventually, if you redefine it, you rewrite what you want to happen. It will come back to you again. 
there is no perfect life in the U.S. It's difficult, especially that you're a newcomer. You have a different culture and different background. But try to assimilate because eventually it will get into you. you. You'll finally understand why. You'll finally understand why he's such or they're that or why I am this. And eventually, maybe on your fifth year, hopefully earlier, you'll learn all of this, the reasons why. And again, when you go back to your objective, it's going to support you. You're going to achieve it because you understand finally. So (laughs) I hope I'm helping you guys. That's so powerful. It's so, it's beautiful what you said. It is, it is powerful. And it's going, just those words, it's going to mean so much to someone else. And I'm- It came from a very difficult experience. (laughs) And um, if I had known this, I should have been stronger. I should have, you know, maybe the five years have been shortened. But I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't realize. Nobody told me, right? So again, it's in the awareness and in knowing. So you need to know. I think you just need to ask and ask and ask some more. Because up until you don't know, you don't know. And it's difficult. Amen. To that. <laughs> Sorry. I'm talking a lot. No, this is wonderful. Like, like so many people don't talk and it's important. And that's honestly why I wanted to contact you after seeing you on Lafora. Cause it was only like a couple of months ago that you were on there and I watched you and I said, he has a story to tell. I need to contact him because oh, you're, you're amazing you. and you're so you're open and that's your real and that's what we Thank need you. real because if it, people come on and they're like oh yeah my american dream it was great here i am you know that that's there's a struggle there there always is there's a story there right. and that's the important part that's what we're trying to capture and that's what you just did and Please. i've enjoyed it. just discuss the superficial I'm not yet crying. <laughs> There's a lot more beneath it, and but I'm and I think we're right on on the topic and what we've discussed because my struggle really is in the in the cultural aspect of things and assimilating, and and there's more to it. If I'm working in a corporate world in the Philippines, like a U.S. based, and I thought I knew and I thought I'm experienced to assimilate in different cultures. I was pretty confident when I was moving to the U.S. Okay, it's easy for me because it's I have the experience of working already to a lot of culture, a lot of races. I've been to Europe, to U.S., to a lot of culture, to conferences. I've been meeting a lot of people. So I feel like I'm confident I can do that. But it's really different when you're in there. It's, it's pretty different assimilating to a different culture. And I had a lot of lessons and experiences that, you know, maybe eventually I'm going to write a book about it so a lot of people can learn from it. It's difficult, but interesting. And so if there's a chance for me to do this again, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I feel like on my third year, I'm a lot stronger. I'm a lot ready. I know when I'm being bullied. I know when I'm being racially profiled and placed in a box. So... I know that, but I think the glory about it all is that you also realize and learn who you are, where you are from, what are you offering? Because 
everybody can just say, yeah, I'm an immigrant. I have this skill. But you don't have the experience. You still have a lot to learn or experience. Just be ready, you know. So with that, but what I admire most actually about the Asian people, you know, Indian, Pakistan, Filipinos, we're, we're, they're very resilient. We are very resilient. And um, I think that's one of the strengths of moving to the U.S. You don't easily give up. So Asians don't give up. They're very determined. They're resilient. So I think they should take that with them. If there's a thing you want to take it in coming to the U.S. and bring with them, it's that. It's the resilience. That's the money one. That's exactly what people need to hear, especially from you. This has been so wonderful. And thank you so much for Anytime. taking the time. Anytime. Okay, bye-bye. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.